Civil Group, Real Estate and Ramblings, Podcast, Episode 2, Relocating, Why Philadelphia, and more precisely, Chestnut Hill and Northwest Philadelphia, compared to the main line. Hi, everyone. Wow, you're back. You must be forced to listen to us, or you're related to one of us, and really have no choice but to listen. Lucky you. And I know you're all wondering and thinking to yourself, has she killed him yet? No, not yet. Although I've got an uncle in Brooklyn on standby that I know I can call in a favor when I need it. I didn't know you had an uncle who painted houses, Jennifer. Yes, Michael. You know what my grandmother says. Oh no, what's that? My grandmother says you shake anyone's tree and a little Brooklyn falls out, right, Melissa? Oh, lucky us. That is right. My great-grandfather was from Brooklyn and was the head baker of Ebinger's Bakery that got bought out by Entenmans mm. in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Sounds tasty. Yeah. I'm a cookie heiress. Are you? And my family's from Bay Ridge and Flatbush. How about that? So you shake anybody in a little Brooklyn falls out. Oh, oh really? Did you know about Ebinger's? I did know about Ebinger's. How's that? Yeah. Only from legacy of my parents talking about the crumb cake and the mm-hmm. Brooklyn blackout cake. That is true. Which I'm sure as a very small toddler, I probably had you probably some. probably did. Interesting. Although I'm more of a cannoli and spliatel kind of girl. Oh, should we get Mama Rinella on the line and no, talk, we should a, not. talk about Avengers? I don't think we should. No? No. Okay. So That's anyway. a different podcast. That's a different one? Yeah. All right. We'll we get can it. do an Italian food podcast yeah. or something. Oh, great. Can't wait. Anyway, we digress. Always. For those of you that are new to our podcast, my name is Jennifer Rinella. And I'm Michael Civil. Also, if you're new to the podcast, our intro music is chosen by Michael at each episode and changed during each episode. So, Michael, why did we choose today's tune? I chose today's tune, Everything's Right, by the band Fish from Vermont. It was the second set opener at Dick's 2019. It's a really good version. Actually, it's a really good second set. If anyone wants to listen, Everything's Right, Mercury Light good stuff anyway i go off on my musical tangent but um so you chose that because i feel like everything's right in the market yeah kind of a little bit i mean it's not as negative as everyone was making it out to be the world keeps turning and the spring is Pretty much, it's looking like it's yeah, it's looking like it's gonna be a lot more active than everybody's thinking. I mean, the cherry blossoms are already out. Well, it's I, rock and roll. I feel like we've been talking about low supply for years. That's not going away anytime. It's soon. not gonna go away, and then you've got pent up demand from the fall, and the buyers that didn't get any houses in the fall, and then you've got the new buyers for the spring market entering into the market, with still our low supply, and that's gonna cause situations like we found that. Our most recent listing in Chestnut Hill, right? Correct, Mundo. Right, we listed a home for one point two two five, and we had forty five confirmed appointments. What? Crazy. And we had thirty people during each open, two open Saturday and Sunday, for a total of over a hundred people over the threshold of that house. Yep. Which equated to multiple offers. Yep. Cash. Cash, cash. No contingencies. No contingencies, even with a septic system. Hard right, to believe. which blows your mind. And a settlement date that our seller got to choose. So needless to say, we have a very happy seller. We always have happy sellers, Jennifer. So if you guys out there, if anybody's thinking of selling their house, um, it is a good time to sell, and we are definitely starting to see that. We listed a home in uh, the main line 
a very high luxury hotel, uh, high luxury, luxury listing. Yep, yep. And uh, we had 19 people in three days, which for that price point is a lot. Well, don't forget about Society Hill and our Right. Our One of new, our team members yep. listed something almost at $2 million On Spruce. On Spruce. Sold in two days. Done. Boom. Done. Um, and that's in the city of Philadelphia, which... If you've been listening to a lot of the forecasting of markets, a lot of people are beating Philadelphia up more than any other part of our region. And that just got listed and sold in two days. Gonzo. That's crazy. For cash, too. Right. So if you're thinking of listing, start preparing your house now. And who should they be listing with, Michael? The civil group. Of course. Always. So the subject or focus of today's cast is relocating to our region. Ah, interesting. Jen. What do you think the desirability of our region is for relocating? Well, I think that there are a number of factors that go into why we have such a good relocation business here, but mostly it's a combination of our low cost of living, overall quality of life, most importantly, great public and private schools, and we really are a really great value compared to the rest of the major metropolitan East Coast. Definitely. Uh, relocation was how you and I first started working together, was it not, Jennifer? I mean, yeah, Michael, lucky me. Seriously, I'd say so. Um, for those of you who may not know this, you know, Jennifer is one of the best, if not the top, relocation specialist in the Philadelphia metro area. Um, and as such, she handles um, many of the most significant executive relocations coming to town. And as a good agent would do, looking for properties in Chestnut Hill, she would call me in like January, February. You know, what do I have coming? Is there anything that might fit the needs of this relo or that relo? And try and get her foot in the door first. And we did some deals off market. We did some deals on market. And we started working together. Yeah. More often. Lucky you. I started getting more and more gray hairs. Lucky me. Well, I'm white now. So let's, <laughs> let's talk about how that went. You're doing a little bit better than me. But um, after getting beaten up by, in what, like a half dozen transactions? Yeah, probably. All reloads? Yes, all reloads at the time. Some from out of the country. Mm-hmm. It's always interesting. Um. I thought maybe it might be better to join forces than constantly be beaten up by Jennifer Ranella. And how's that working out for you? I'm still being beaten up by yeah. Jennifer <laughs> <Ranella>. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> on a daily basis now, <laughs> not just transactional. <laughs> Lucky me. Really worked out for you, Michael. <laughs> yep, hence all the white hair, Jen, Melissa. <laughs> So it, it is very important when dealing with executive relocation um, that these executives have a full-time agent work to work with, not only from a standpoint of learning the area, but also because a lot of these um, men and women get relocated in and relocated out just as fast. So what they buy and where they buy it is equally as important as the schools and what they are attached to in the area. I mean, to... Of our most recent listings, relocation listings, they were only here for three, four years. Correct. And are already relocating out. Actually, we have three because we have one coming up. And then we, done. But then we have the one coming back. 
Yes. You know, so yeah, it's that's like true. four of four, four of our reloads are. And so, I mean, how many times did the one family move? They had photos of every house that oh, they yeah, it was like nine yeah, or ten. Like nine or ten moves. Yeah. I mean, wild. Yeah. Nine it's or like ten a moves. military family. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Right. Anyway. So, Jen, can we talk about another facet of our relocation business for all our podcast listeners that has only grown over the years? I mean, what, what do you call that? Um, the, oh, the community tour. Oh, my infamous the in- tours oh, sorry. of neighborhoods. Your infamous community tour. Well, yeah. You know, a lot of cases with relocation, what's begun to happen is these HR departments and or executives that we have relocated in and have... The, oh, oh. That you've placed. That I've placed. I mean, I just kind of (laughs) drive. That I've, okay, fine, that I've placed. Yeah, okay. Um, A lot of times they will now call and say, we've got somebody thinking about taking a job. They don't know Philadelphia at all. They're a little bit overwhelmed by the process and where to live if they were to take the job. And so it becomes our job as realtors to tour them around, to introduce them to neighborhoods, schools, trains, um, all of the above restaurants restaurants uh, ice hockey facilities curling facilities curling we did we had to we had to drop curling in there i had no idea yeah there's a curling place what is it in malvern uh almost yeah it's like berwin paoli area gonza we did not know that who would have known right so these so these executives that we have placed and have taken these tours will now call us and say hey we have you know, Joe Smith coming in, he's coming in from L.A., has no idea what Philadelphia is like. And so before they even take the job, we start with a day of touring and touring the areas and letting them understand a snippet of what their lifestyle may look like if they were to move here. And then in most cases, you know, a lot of people have the thought that Philadelphia I think there's a, a misconception out there about Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yes, that would be the misconception. So I think Eagles of, fans are crazy and awful, awful people. But that's coming from we're the, the Giants worst sports fans, fans oh, in America. Watch it, New York. Yeah, boo, Giants. But anyway, yeah, boo. I think there's some people. Depending on where they come from, they have this misconception of what Philly's like, and so they come here and we tour them around and we show them why we love where we live and why we love where we work and what their life would look like in this area. So, Jennifer, when you're helping a buyer determine where they want to focus their search on their next home, what are the initial questions you ask? Well, first, I always ask, what is your commute tolerance? I.e., are you, do you like driving to work? Do you take the train? Are you game to take the train? Do you like to ride your bike? Unicycle. Do you, ride, do you like to ride your unicycle? No, I don't ask that question. Why not? I I do not ask about a unicycle, so you know I don't. Okay. Um, so anyway, by getting their tolerance for commute, um, I start to be able to kind of zone into a radius of where they could live. Um, when you're taking the train from Chestnut Hill or Northwest Philadelphia, you have two train options, which is a really nice luxury to have. So you have Money. two schedules at your fingertips. And then on the main line, we have one train line. Um, there are some expresses that run out of Bryn Mawr and I believe the other one out of Paoli area. But it is a nice luxury to have two train lines and well, two schedules when can, you're coming from the Northwest. I'll also tell you what's great about the two train lines that come into Chestnut Hill. Go ahead, do tell us. Chestnut Hill is the end of the line. 
It is of that train line. Of both of east both and Chestnut west. Hill, yes. So, so you know, what you, does that do? You fall asleep after a long day, work or school or whatever, and you're at the end of the line. It's not like you've missed your stop in Rosemont and you wind up in Paoli or Downingtown or Downingtown. Yes, which you could go all the way to Thorndale actually yeah. on that line. Yeah, or in the R five, the Lansdale, you you would miss your stop in like Penlin and all of a sudden be in Doylestown. You wouldn't know that about the train lines. I, I mean, you know, it's it happened, but has that's it why happened? it has happened. Christopher Fallon can attest to waking up in Doylestown, but I always would be awake, awoken, awoken by, at, by the conductor of, hey. At the end of the Chestnut Hill line? It's the end of the line. Get off the train. Of course you have. Awesome. So the other thing about commuting, if you drive, is northwest Philadelphia. You're taking a couple different ways to go. Main line, you're also taking a couple different ways to go. You're not at the mercy of the Schuylkill, which, thank goodness, you're not. But um, you do have to cross the Schuylkill River at some point, so you are at the mercy of one or two bridges coming from the main line if you're driving, depending on where you're commuting to. So all these things need to get taken into consideration when asking a relocation executive, you know, what kind of commute, what's your kind of commute tolerance, basically. Interesting. Secondly, Ooh, my second more. question. There's more. There, well, you asked quest, what questions do I ask? I have my two main questions. My second one is do you have children? Are you looking at public versus private school? Because that is going to dictate a lot as far as where you're going to look. The main line has some of the best public school systems in the state, if not the country, um, which are a huge draw for many buyers of all different income levels. All I'm, all, different. I'm always fascinated how much research they've already done on schools, not houses, you know, not neighborhoods, yes. not even commute, but they've got their list of schools that they're like, you know, and that, and it's rate, you know, rated like this is number one down to number five. And right. sometimes number one becomes a big zero, but schools initially that's the bulk of the research done if yeah. you have children yeah yeah and that's why that's one of the main questions because then it becomes if it's public then you're in a certain area couple that with the commute tolerance and if it's private that moves you into northwest philadelphia because northwest philadelphia is part of the philadelphia school system which there are some great charter schools and certain catchments that are great but overall that school system is a work in progress um, we also find that during these initial tours, we're able to take people around certain neighborhoods and towns to really help them focus in. Our job is to take those two questions, and then the other two things I talk about a little bit are what do you like about your current home, and what do you or not like, and what you like or not like about your current neighborhood, which helps as well to focus people in on where we're looking. It's our job to take you from the greater Philadelphia area and narrow that search in and then it becomes what's the house. The what's the house is very secondary. It's first where is it going to be, and then what does that house look like? But the house becomes super important because, you know, a lot of these folks are moving again and got to right. be able to sell it. Right. So it's not like, oh, we'll just sell them any old house. No, it, it does, but first it's narrowing and narrowing and focus people in because it can be overwhelming. If you start searching for houses, let's say up to a million, you could pick 10 different school districts and it could feel very, very overwhelming. So you first focus in and narrow down on areas and then it becomes, okay, now what's that house going to be in those one to two areas, not 10 areas that we focused in on. So relocating to a new area can be very overwhelming. 
But with experienced agents to help guide you through the challenges, it really can be a lot less daunting. And if you're in our sprinter van or touring with me, it could also be very fun. Well, you have a really good driver. So. <laughs> Depending on the day. Smooth sailing. Depending on the amount of coffee and the day. <laughs> All right. You guys thought you were done with our podcast they because always, we've, gone through relocation. <laughs> we've gone through really relocation. But those of you that are new to the podcast, we also have to do um, towards the end, Michael insists on the Michael PSA. Well, I, just rant thought, of the day. I just thought after our first one and the reaction that we've had since to the fifth, the magical fifth bedroom. Right. Right. Which. Lo and behold, didn't it come up this weekend? <laughs> it did. It did come up this weekend. It came up in a showing that somebody else had, somebody totally random, had the exact same reaction to the house we were talking about on Podcast One and the lack of the fifth bedroom. Melissa, yes, Michael. they even talked about the rubber floor and the mirrors and the glass wall. Oh, no. I don't think they mentioned Granny. And the treadmill, but like it, it was, it was, the, it, was it was the so, same it was a total random person, to, unbelievable, out of nowhere. <laughs> anyway, try so, as I might, I cannot get Michael to not rant. So I apologize in advance, as I often have to do, with his ranting. So we're now making Michael's end of podcast. Yes, unfortunately, PSA and. Even though this is an agent PSA, like it could be an anything PSA. It could be a consumer PSA. Yeah, so but okay. But today is another agent PSA for all of you agents out there listening to our podcast. And I have to begin with as I usually have to do, I'm gonna interrupt him and explain the or translate as a lot of people calls calls what I have to do a lot of times with the Michaelisms. Further explain his soliloquy before he gets started so you have any idea where he's coming from. Um The state of Pennsylvania is a buyer-represented state, so we have buyer agency here. There are a lot of states that are transactional states. So in transactional states, those agents technically work for both the buyer and seller. But here, as buyer agents, you have a contract as a buyer agent, and your fiduciary duty is to the buyer. Additionally, as part of that agreement, right, Michael, we have um, inspection contingencies where we can elect the buyer elects. And they're back. And they are back because during our the height of the crazy market, we were all waiving inspections, but now we're we're negotiating again. So maybe I shouldn't be so hard on our peers because, you know, they're a little out of practice on their inspection <laughs> etiquette. But, but anyway, as you uh, elect an inspection contingency part of the agreement of sale, here I am bringing it back to where we need to be and explaining to you the rant. Um, I haven't you, even ranted yet. Even, How, what, are you, what are you explaining? I'm, I'm getting I mean, I haven't even so gotten a word in edgewise. You're, you're like from. cutting me off here but on the rant. But you can negotiate repairs Correct. and or buyers can terminate and get their deposit monies back, right? Yes. Okay, Sybil. Now you can go ahead with your crazy rant of the day. Okay. So, buyer agents, you must be present for all of your inspections and all of your contractor visits to any homes you have under agreement. Um, how are you supposed to represent your buyer's best interest if you have no firsthand knowledge of things that come up during the inspection? Not to mention, your buyers shouldn't be left alone in the house. 
No, that's when the listing agents call to have to be present, and it's we don't represent the buyers. To I bring mean, it right back to buyer agency, we are representing the sellers. The why do I got to? Why do I got to sit there all day? It's right. not. It's not my job to watch your inspector and your your clients or to answer your buyers' questions about the inspection. I mean, and it's also a good way for buyer agents to know more about the house. You know, so when the two hundred page report comes over. In the, some cases, yes. Yeah, they actually have some firsthand knowledge of what was being pointed out and discussed. Right? And how did the inspector feel about it? Was it a higher level defect or was he pointing it out, uh, you know, this is some ongoing maintenance that isn't that big of a deal right now but needs to keep a watch on? I mean, take a septic inspection, for instance. I mean, Oh, my favorite. Yeah. But... Think about it. Like some buyers haven't been in the business that buyer agents haven't been in the business that long. So how many septic inspections have they ever been involved with? Like, wouldn't it make sense to be at the septic inspection? Potentially, you'll learn a thing or two, like why it's failing. What's a baffle? It's baffling. You know that they're not there. Right. Do I need a hydraulic load test? Do I not need a hydraulic? What is a hydraulic load test, Jennifer? Right. Why do you need that? You need that because if you have two people living in the home and six people are going to move in, you've got to load the system for the ability to carry the six-person load. So the test is you load the system for six people to make sure the system can operate at that level. Or if the house is vacant and no one's using it. You want to make sure the system hadn't dried up. Um, Another thing, Jennifer, that drives me crazy and this one might be worse than lazy buyer agents not even showing up to their inspections, is bringing the inspector who actually is the contractor, right? Like, an inspector is there to inspect. An inspector... And to give an unbiased... Unbiased, right? Opinion. Most of our septic inspectors are also installers, but they don't fail a system, and then they're on the spot say, oh... It's going to cost you like 45 grand. Right. No. You can give me a deposit right now. Yeah. Yeah. So don't bring out these termite inspectors that all of a sudden whip up this $20,000 repair bill. And then we've got to go down and lo and behold, all those repairs were already done. Yes. We did just have that exact scenario. I mean, it's insane. It is insane. So agents, do your job. Go to your inspections, learn a thing or two about the houses that you're representing your buyers in the the sales process. Bring good inspectors out. And then when the inspectors tell you that, hey, there's knob and tube, hey, there's asbestos, there's termites, the septic failed, then you go and you bring out all the other contractors to get get the, yeah. To get the numbers together. Correct. Right? Correct. Which is what you used to beat me up on all the time when I had these listings and you had these reload buyers. I'd get these reply to inspections <laughs> that were literally the most painful document I've ever seen. And I would like, I would just go ballistic. And then after I cooled down, I would call Renella and I'd be like, what the hell are you doing? Like, I got you guys into this property early. You promised me this was going to be easy, and this is not easy. Well, Michael, the septic system failed. There's knob and tube. There's termites. 
And on and on and on she'd go. But when the deal would get done. And yeah. I'd get a new septic system all at the same time. Yes, you would work extremely hard for your buyers, and then I would have to work extremely hard because, you know, yes, it was all legit, but not everybody likes to hear that the septic system that dear old grandpa put in when he built the house 100 years ago failed. It works perfectly fine. No, it does not. All right, so let's give our agents, like, let's give our clients, agents out there, the best representation representation we can. And, okay, Michael, I think we all get the point at this, at this time. So to end today's podcast, thank you all for listening again. If you have any questions, we would love to address your questions at the next podcast. Please DM us at the Civil Group on Instagram with questions, and we will definitely get to them at the beginning of our next podcast. Thank you all for listening and being some of the best relatives and friends we've got. Stay tuned for more ramblings from the Civil Group. Yeah.